is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstag, Managing Director of MaxList, and Jenna Forstrom, our Community Manager. This week, we're talking about what you need to do after a job interview. Our show is brought to you by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. To learn more about the updated edition that we published earlier this year, visit maxlist.org book. Hey, Mac. Jenna here. Hey, Jenna. You've displaced Ben. You've taken control of the transmitter. Moving on up. <laughs> okay, I'm watching my back. We've been doing a lot of public speaking this spring. I'm curious, what are the most common challenges you hear from job seekers? Well, all three of us have been at, at different events this spring, and and one of my experiences, Jenna, has been I, a question that comes up again and again is uh, goals. Uh, people, when I ask them what kind of job they're looking for, uh, often I hear, well, I want to keep all my options open. I, I don't want to rule anything out. And the difficulty with that is you make it hard for people to say yes to you. And that's one of the issues we deal with in our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. Uh, we have a chapter that actually shows you how to assess your interests and your skills and figure out what your goals are. And you can find that in, both in the book and on our blog and uh, other resources on our website. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, no problem. You know, Mac, when you mentioned that you know goal setting thing, I heard a yeah. great analogy once. Um, someone was saying, you know, imagine you want to go to the prom and you walk into the cafeteria in your high school and you just say, like, I'm going to go to the prom with anyone. It doesn't matter who it is. Like... No matter what you look like, no matter how bad you smell, like it, I've got no no criteria for this. The likelihood that you're going to get any date is probably pretty low because you know, everyone wants to feel like they're the special one for you. And I think employers are the same way. Like if you go in saying like, I don't care what the job is, I'll do anything that turns people off because they want the enthusiastic candidate, not the jack of all trades. Yeah, I think focus is the key, whether it's the high school prom or, or your job search. Well, uh, let's turn to this week's topic. We, we've talked in earlier shows about what you can do to prepare for and, and nail a job interview. But what happens next after you've impressed your interviewers? You walk out of the room and uh, you're feeling good about your conversation. And it's a big moment. But the steps you take next after you leave the interview room can make the difference between getting a job offer or a tourist rejection letter. This week, we're talking with our guest expert, Dina Perot. She's the founder and CEO of Mosaic Blueprint. She'll tell us what you can do to increase the odds of getting a job offer after you leave the interview room. The receptionist may be the last person you see when you leave an office where you've interviewed. Ben Forsteig has a story uh, that outlines what a receptionist can tell you about an organization's culture and the role they may play in your hiring. And before an employer makes an offer, she'll likely check your references. A listener wonders, when do you tell your boss to expect a call? Jenna Forstrom has the answer. So let's first turn to the MaxList team. I'm, I'm curious, Jenna, Ben, uh, what are your uh, top recommendations for job seekers after they finish an interview? Well, this is going to be the obvious one, I think, but one is to write a thank you note, both a, an email one and a paper note later on, because I like the instant uh, uh, thank you of the email and then the longer thought out one. I think the key with both those is trying to uh, connect the note to the conversation you previously had in person. Um, so, oh, you know, we talked about X, Y, and Z, and I really thought that was interesting. Just so that does, this doesn't look like a pro forma interaction. It's something that you thought about and have processed accordingly. 
Yeah. It's uh, uh, remarkable to me uh, how many people don't still send a, a thank you note. It's, uh, it's not a large number, but there aren't people who forget to do that. So let me ask you, Mac, um, you know, you get these. What do you do with these thank you notes? If they're handwritten, I actually hold on to them. Uh, I have a folder that I keep of uh, thank you notes from people, not only who, uh, not that many people have interviewed for jobs here, but I, I do do a lot of informational interviews and the, the notes that I get that are written by hand, I do hold on to. So this is more than just like a social courtesy. These, these are meaningful things that you find important. Yeah, and I, uh, in visiting other people's offices, I often see that people will post thank you notes in, in their cubicles or on their walls or, or share them with coworkers. What, what about you, Jenna? What's your, your top tip for post-interviews? I think sending a follow-up email is key, saying thank you, following up with any information that you promised in the interview, like, oh, I've got a portfolio, let me email you a link, or we talked about some random NPR article that the interviewer hadn't heard of, and so you just send it just like, hey, remember this conversation we had? But I also enjoy getting the handwritten, or writing the handwritten notes. I think of it more as a marketing, because chances are the hiring manager is hiring or meeting with a whole bunch of people, and if they're in HR, that's almost what they do all day for multiple roles. So a week later, you might have been completely forgotten. And then this this card arrives in the mail and everyone loves getting handwritten letters. It's not a bill. It's not a political note from <laughs> the upcoming elections or anything like that, but it's tailored specifically towards them. And just, it keeps you fresh in front of mind and these people, these hiring managers' lives, which I think is really cool. Yeah, making those personal connections, it can make all the difference, I think. Well, thank you both. Uh, ben, let's turn to you. I know you're out there every week poking around the internet, looking for resources. What have, what have you found for us this Wednesday? So this week, I want to share an article from the Wall Street Journal titled, The Receptionist is Watching You. And this is a piece from 2012, but I think the content is still relevant and appropriate for today's job seekers. So we all know that employers place heavy emphasis on finding candidates who seem to fit with their established company culture. Right. And in fact, according to one study by the corporate executive board, 88% of recruiters said that they view a candidate's fit with the company culture as critically important compared to just 82% who said the same about technical requirements. So it's really kind of how you're going to fit culturally is more important than the skills you actually bring to the table. So the question here is how do employers figure out that you're a good culture fit? And Partly, that's clearly through the formal interview process, but it's also through your informal behavior before and after the interview. And increasingly, employers use your interactions with the receptionist, the security guard, and other workers to evaluate whether you're the right candidate. And this article is all about um, how companies use the receptionists to judge candidates. It discusses several organizations where the receptionist has direct input in the hiring process, providing insight on the first impressions of the candidate. And one CEO noted that these first impressions generally formed while the applicant is waiting in the lobby become relevant to the hiring decisions between five and 10% of the time, which is incredible, right? That, that you can get a foot up or you can fail the interview before you even step into the interview room. So the lesson here is be nice to everyone, right? During, before, and after the interview. And, and this is generally a best practice, but especially when you're looking to get a new job. Were there any horror stories shared in, in the article about uh, how people misbehave towards receptionists or 
or security guards. Well, there were some choice quotes from the some receptionists, and uh, some of the things they were saying were like kind of head scratchers of like, of course that was a bad decision, right? The guy who shows up in wrinkled clothes and pulls out a a resume that's all torn up and got you know smudges of chocolate on it, like that person's gonna not get anywhere, whether they've made a good impression with the secretary or not. Um, but other things like you know the candidate came in and was was very hoity and demanding of the receptionist. Right. That's the kind of thing that someone who's kind of getting themselves pumped up for an interview might not think about. Right. But that's creating a first impression with this front line of the interview process that's not going to serve you well in the long term. Yeah. And in some organizations, too, uh, people may begin at entry level positions of receptionist, administrative assistant or even intern. But three, five, seven years later, they could be a senior manager. Uh, depending on the organization and its culture. So you never know where people are going to end up. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to, if you get the, your role, they're going to be your coworker. And so you want to always have, be on a good foot with them. Like you don't want to start off your like day zero or day negative one on a bad foot with a coworker. So I just think everyone should be nice to everyone, <laughs> like how you said it, but yeah, and, really and, think about it. And this is just one of the many uh, tricks, I guess you would say, that employers use to figure out that whole culture fit thing. And we've talked about other tools that employers use. I know here at MaxList, for example, you know, the first two or three interviews I had here were, were just with you, Mac. And then like one of the later stage interviews was I got to meet the rest of the staff and we went out and had coffee and spent an hour just chatting. And that was how we figured out kind of culture fit. Um, but Keeping in mind that the interview process might start before the formal interview starts, I think that's the key thing here. And so um, kind of the moment you step out of your car or out of the metro or however you're getting to that interview, you know, having your game face on and um, being professional. But at the end of the day, it's about kind of being yourself and being polite to people the way you want other people to treat you. Well, thank you, Ben. Uh, do you have a suggestion for Ben? You can email him yeah, directly. His address is ben at maxlist.org. Now let's turn to you, our listeners. It's time to talk with Jenna Forstrom, our community manager, and she joins us to answer one of your questions. Jenna, what are you hearing from the community this week? This week's question is, a prospective employer has asked for my references for my last three jobs. The problem is I haven't told my current boss that I'm looking for other work. Should I tell my employer now, even though the new job isn't 100% in the bag, or ask the prospective employer not to contact my current place of work? I good question. This is a really good question. I think it goes one of two ways. If you have a great relationship with your boss, one that's more of like a mentor and mentoring ship or a engagement where he or she is fighting for you, no matter if you stay in the company or if you're moving out of the company, but they want what's best for you, you should totally talk to them about it because maybe there's some room to grow or they can give you an excellent letter of recommendation, which would then theoretically you could probably negotiate for more money based on reviews. Um, so that's one option. And then the second option is, is if you don't have a great relationship with your boss, chances are they're not going to give you a good review. So just asking the f potential future employer not to contact your current boss, um, but maybe provide three previous roles or a coworker that you trust or someone who can keep it more on the down low would be a really good opportunity. Mac, Ben, what do you guys think? 
Well, I think one option, and this is true of any reference really, is you can just say, here's a list of references, um, and I just ask that you don't reach out to these people unless I'm really one of the finalists. And I think most employers are respectful of that, and frankly, they don't want to be reaching out to references if you're not going to be a finalist anyway. Um, and you could say, you know, my current employer, if that could be the very last person you reach out to, just to give me some time to prepare them or let them know if, that this is a real possibility. I, I think that's right. And I also agree with you, Jenna, that it's important when you have that good relationship with the boss to let them know that you may be looking. Because when, when you're able to do that, often it means that you've it's clear that there aren't other opportunities to grow in the firm. And good supervisors will want to see their staff grow and continue to, to uh, thrive. And will recognize that if there aren't opportunities to do that inside the current company, that it's, it's best for everybody involved to, to move on. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you like the place you're working at right now and the reason you're looking is for some other reason, maybe you want more money or you want some different responsibility, um, opening the conversation with your existing boss that you are looking also creates an opportunity to talk about things that your current, ways that your current job could be improved to be where you want it. So whether that means more money or different responsibilities, um, it gives your current employer an opportunity to essentially match the offer that you might be getting from this future job. Well, terrific. Well, thank you, Jenna. And if you have a question for Jenna, please email her. Jenna's email address is jenna at maxlist.org. These segments are sponsored by the 2016 edition of Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond. We've made our book even better. We've added new content and we're offering it in the formats you want. For the first time ever, you can read Land Your Dream Job in Portland and beyond as a paperback or download it onto your Kindle, Nook, or iPad. Whatever the format, our goal is the same. It's to give you the tools and tips you need to get meaningful work that makes a difference. For more information, visit maxlist.org book. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Dina Perot. Dina Perot is the CEO of Mosaic Blueprint. It's a boutique firm that specializes in recruiting and onboarding, multicultural communications, outplacement services, and career counseling. She's also the founder of iUrban Teen, and she's been named a champion of change by the White House and included in Ebony Magazine's Power 100 list. Dina, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me uh, today, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. so we're talking about what to do after a job interview. And I just to paint the picture for our listeners, let, let's imagine we, we've gone in there, we've had a terrific conversation, we're walking out, we're feeling good about what happened. What do we do next, uh, Dina? What, what can make the difference between getting a job offer and, and getting that rejection letter? You know, it's, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. The hardest part is getting that actual job interview. But now since you've known that you've aced your opportunity, you made it in that interview, you think you did really well, what happens next is very, very important. I can't stress that enough, you know, to uh, candidates. And um, and some of those things include um, things that are the old school thing to do, writing a thank you card. Don't send an electronic email, do it the old fashioned way. Have them all ready to go, you know, after your interview. Make sure you get everyone's business cards. If you have a panel, you know, of three, four, five, six people, make sure you can try to get everybody's e- um, email addresses or, or business cards 
So you can send that thank you card off that same day. Okay, so get that card out uh, within 24 hours. Is that your your suggestion? Oh, yeah. Okay. Within 24 hours. You know, I just did. I was so impressed with the young man um, that we worked with here recently. We just did a, a search project for a local nonprofit. And he, they received, you know, I was just the middle person. But the interviewers actually received their thank you cards from him the very next day. You know, the very next day. Short and sweet, to the point, not some long love letter. Very short and simple. But that made such an impression on everyone. And me as well. He had one for me as well. But everyone received it within 24 hours of that interview. So those are key things to remember to do. Go back to the old school way of doing things. I know everybody is all this digital everything. But for something like this, you want to make it personal. You want a handwritten note. And, and Dino, why do you think that makes a difference? Why isn't an email message alone sufficient? Why, why does a handwritten note stand out? Well, you know, I think that I think that everyone is starting to get kind of tired of all the impersonal pieces of being online and being constantly wired all the time. And when you see someone that has taken the time to get a card, hand write it out, put a stamp on it and send it to you. That just shows more effort on their part, more organization on their part and, and more, more made it just a little bit more personal touch for me as a recruiter. And when I was in the working role and we were doing hiring, that would always stand out to me. So a handwritten note can, can, be a, a huge advantage now it could be a huge advantage okay but also now, now not to say that an electronic email won't work either but the personal touch to it that high touch point is always best now talk about that personal touch if you do send an email and you said earlier about a handwritten note don't write a love letter are there key messages or points people should make when they send that note whether it's electronically or, or written by hand no, it should be written by hand. Okay. You know, don't type it out yet. All right. Hand write it out. You All know, right. even if your handwriting is horrible like mine, I write like a doctor, but it's still something about that handwritten note is just key. Okay. So it's a handwritten note. Um, let's talk about how people should connect online. Uh, do you recommend that candidates follow up, uh, connect with people, say, via LinkedIn after an interview or, or perhaps before? Mm, I wouldn't encourage that. I wouldn't encourage that because it almost seems like stalking. It almost seems like you're brown nosing and you're trying to kiss up. I would wait. I would wait until after the job offer has been made. Even if it's not you, wait until that closes out. Then you can go ahead and connect on LinkedIn. I think Facebook is always too personal for those kind of things. But LinkedIn and Twitter. And even with the LinkedIn, when you're connecting with them, you know, say something like, um, it was a great experience um, interviewing with you. Even though I did not receive the position, I would still like to stay in, in touch. Something like that. But don't do it during that process. Wait. And even wait maybe a week or so after the decision's been made. Okay. Let's talk more about the interview process after someone's left the interview room. Um, let's say a candidate knows somebody inside the company. Uh, what do you recommend, Dina? Is it appropriate to, to have, a say, a, a friend or a former colleague who works inside the organization or perhaps is a former co-worker of someone on the panel 
to, to call or send an email on your behalf? Oh, gosh, yeah. You know what? That's all about networking. And I will tell anyone that if you know somebody within that organization, let them put a good in word, a word in for you because companies will listen to their employees unless they're a bad employee. But customers will all, but companies will listen to those employees and you might have a slight advantage by having that person vouch for you. So by all means, you know, ask them, you know, uh, if they would say, you know, and encourage them or say a few good words about you and your experience. Okay. Now, let's say you, you've done that. You've sent your note and you've, uh, you have a former coworker or a friend who's made a call on your behalf and you think, boy, this is my dream job. Do you recommend that uh, people, if they're pursuing other job opportunities, keep chasing those opportunities as well? Or should they uh, focus just on, on the, the dream position? No, I would say, you know, in this highly competitive space that we're in, I would say keep your options open. You know, never put all your eggs in one basket. Consistently have a few sources that you're reviewing and, and considering. That one dream job, it's only one job. There are other dream jobs out there for you. So I would say always keep your options open. And even getting into a space where this this just actually happened, the candidate that was hired for the role, I knew that he was also being vetted by another company. And as soon as the hiring company heard that, they expedited the hiring process so that they can secure him. So you might be able to use that as leverage if that company really wants you. If they have an idea that someone else wants you as well, that may work. So I, I never, even when I was out looking for, for jobs, I never just focused on just one. So Dina, if it's been a week and you haven't heard anything from an employer where you interviewed, how do you recommend people follow up? What, what should they do next? I would say send a, an email to the recruiter, whoever was that first point of contact for you. Don't contact, I wouldn't contact the hiring manager right off the bat. I would check in with the recruiter to see if they have an update because usually they are the ones that are gonna let you know what the next steps are. If that recruiter's not available, if you have the hiring manager's information, which you should because you sent them a thank you card, then I would follow up with them and just say, I'm just wondering, you know, I had a great experience, just wondering, where are you in the hiring process yet? You know, I didn't want to drop off your radar, something. And I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd wait a week for that, maybe about three or four days, just kind of, you know, be make sure that I'm on the radar. And if I haven't heard anything, sometimes if you don't hear anything at all, that's usually a sign. <laughs> Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's usually a sign that uh, you're not the one. But I would, I would, I would send a note, an email, or either a phone call okay. to the recruiter. And people I know want to be persistent, but they also don't want to be pests. So do, do you exactly. have uh, just a rule of thumb you recommend about the number of attempts, one or two, or when? When do you would, let it go? I would say two. I would say two. Now I've learned from you. You used to tell me with. It was with business, when searching for business, the rule of three, I would say two. Um, and I say that because I know when people are trying to reach me regarding a job, 
they can become troublesome if they're every time I turn around, they're calling me to find out about the job, you know. So I would say give it two tries. And if you haven't heard anything, that's pretty much a clear indication that they're looking elsewhere. Yeah, I know it can be hard to let go, but uh, I, I think that's um, good advice after two attempts. Now, Yeah, I would say after two. Okay. Now let's uh, let's go to the dark place, Dina. Let's say you you do get a call and you didn't get an offer. Uh, how do you recommend people stay in touch with uh, that interview panel or that employer? Um, w- what should they do next? And that's always so hard because I, I usually am the one that has to do this in the Dear John and Dear Jane letters. Um, but what I appreciate, what I see happening is if that candidate sends me back a note, an email or even a handwritten note, thanking thanking us for the process. They were really impressed with how everything went. Um, they wish the new incumbent well, and they hope that we stay in contact. That's what I really appreciate when I see that from a candidate. What about uh, when you get a call or a note from a candidate who says, well, I can you give me any feedback about uh, your decision or something I should have done differently? Oh, yeah. And sometimes I give them free, you know, free feedback without them even asking. Um, but when they do ask, I do, I try to be as honest as possible without being hurtful with them. For instance, um, if they might seem too shy, you know, I would tell them that that gives a sign of, of, um, of weakness a lot of times, you know, in an interview. And they like people that have that get it done kind of personality, a little bit more assertive, you know, so I'll tell them to kind of speak up and we may even do some little role playing back and forth. You know, or I give an example of, of how they would have answered something in a different, slightly different way, those kind of things. So I, I'm free to give back, back feedback as long as it's not too hurtful, you know, um, because they're already in pain because they didn't get the job. The last thing I want to do is put a nail in their coffin. So it's it's appropriate to ask for feedback. Um, it's appropriate, very appropriate. Good. In fact, they should okay. because that's a learning a learning experience for them. Good. Well, we need to start wrapping up the interview, Dina. Uh, anything else you'd like to add about what candidates should do after they they finish an interview? I I think that they should. One, make sure when they do exit, when they when the interview is over, make sure they thank everyone. If it's a small group of people, like one time we had 15 interviewers, it was crazy. But if it's a small panel, make sure they shake everyone's hand. You know, be pleasant. Thank them so much for their time. And then make sure you get home and you send those thank you letters, you know, cards out to them immediately. You know, those are things that you really, really should do. Great. Well, thanks, Dina. Now, tell us what's coming up next for you. Gosh, well, what's happening for me here lately is my teen program, iUrban Teen. We've got a lot of programs going on here in Portland and Seattle. We've got some big summits coming up. And I'm actually going to be flying down to Los Angeles, where I am a speaker at the um, Wonder Women in Tech conference in, in Long Beach, July I think it's July 15th, 16th, and 17th. So I'm really looking forward to that as well. So that's what I see on the on the short horizon for right now. Great. 
Well, we'll be sure to include notes to that event and the iUrbans Teens website in our show notes. And I know that people can find you online at mosaicblueprint.com. That's correct, Mac. You got it. Okay. Well, Dina, thanks for joining us again. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. It has been a delight being here today, Mac. And thank you so very much. And try to stay cool. Okay, we will. So we're back in the studio with uh, Ben and Jenna. So what do you two think? What what are some of the key takeaways for, for you from my conversation with Dina? I really liked her comment about asking for feedback. I think a lot of job seekers don't do that. And it's really, really insightful when you do get people that provide feedback. Um, when I was job hunting a couple years ago, I interviewed at a makeup company, which I am like the world's biggest tomboy. So it was really out, outside of my field. But the woman business owner, I left the interview thinking like, I want to work for this lady. She is so awesome and so like friendly and outgoing. And I could do the role because it didn't actually apply to makeup. It was marketing. And I was so excited and I thought the interview went really, really well. And I found out I didn't get the role and I was totally crushed. Mm. And I just wrote her an email and I was like, well, thanks. Like, I really appreciate it. I had a great talk with you. Could you provide any feedback? And she wrote me this really thoughtful email and was like, this is what we loved about you. This is what um, was it like kind of questionable. And she said, and we ended up going with a makeup veteran who had been working in the in the makeup world for over 20 years. And as someone who had been out of college for like three years, I was like, well, obviously I would have hired them too, you know, but it was just, it immediately like lifted my spirits. Cause it was like, you know, we were competing on two totally different levels of expertise. And so it wasn't, it wasn't really a competition, but then she also provided a ton of feedback. And so it was, even though I didn't get the job, I still felt good about the experience. And I think when you're job hunting, you're usually just getting crushed left and right. So just getting great feedback is really helpful. Yeah. There's a lot of rejection that comes with job searching. Um, And I think what I hear from job seekers is they have this what if question when an offer isn't forthcoming. They think, well, what if I'd done this? What if I'd done that? One of the great things about employers who give feedback is they, they help the job seeker understand what they might've done differently, but also often that they're competition is just has more of what the the employer was looking for. And there's not much you can do about that. Ben, how about you? I like some of her tips about following up with the company after the interview, not the thank you notes, but the, um, you know, following up on next steps and status updates and so forth. Uh, The one thing I would add to that conversation though, is in the interview at the end, when they ask you, do you have any other questions? Asking the interviewer, what is the process after this? What is your general timeline? And that gives you some reference point about when it would be appropriate to reach back out to that hiring manager or the recruiter. Um, you know, if they say, well, we're, we're doing interviews for the next two weeks with other candidates, then you know that it's going to be a couple weeks before maybe you get invited back for a second round interview. And it gives you a framework for thinking about when you're going to send out that follow-up email um, to see what the status update is. Yeah. You can also ask uh, uh, in that conversation, how do you recommend I, I follow up? And just uh, they will tell you directly and uh, give you, and it's appropriate to ask for the name and email or, or phone number of the person that, that you should follow up with as well. Exactly. They'll tell you what the best way to do so to do it so you're not stepping on anyone's toes. Yeah. you can, And there's no mystery about it. Well, good. Well, thank you both. Uh, and if you like what you're hearing, uh, you are listeners, you can help us by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. This helps others discover our show and helps us serve you all better. Uh, one of the reviews we received recently is from a listener who uses the iTunes handle Becca1965. 
And she writes, Find Your Dream Job is a well done and interesting show. It features real advice from real people. Uh, can <laughs> I can, Ben, are we real people? I can confirm that at least two of us in this room are real people. <laughs> okay. So one of us might be a hologram. Uh, or a robot. Yeah. Both interesting ideas for a podcast, an audio show. So maybe one of us is a ventriloquist uh, and is doing all the voices. Okay, well, let's move on. Thank you, Becca1965. And thanks to the scores of other listeners who've left a review. Uh, we have 106 ratings, and we're grateful for the people who've taken the moment. To do that, you can leave your own comments and ratings. Just go to maxlist.org iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday with more tools and tips you can use to find your dream job. Mm-hmm.